0: One of the um, cool thing about NFTs are that it can be anything. It can be a music. It can be an artwork. It can be anything.
1: You're listening to Blossoming Technologist, a podcast for young professionals in tech, discovering skills, careers, and tips for being in the tech industry. I'm your host, Marissa, and today we're joined by Aaron J. Shaker, a 16-year-old self-taught freelance designer. Not only does Aaron J. design logos for companies, but he also creates art online to sell as NFTs. From Photoshop to Illustrator and Procreate, Aaron J. knows it all as a designer since the age of 12. In today's episode, we discuss the process and challenges of designing logos. We talk about how NFTs work, as well as Aaron J's firsthand experience of listing and selling them. Let's jump into my conversation with Aaron J. Hi, Aaron J. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I want to jump right into our first question, which is what first got you interested in the tech industry?
0: hey mr thanks a lot for having me uh, first of all and what really interests me in tech industry is that, that first of all when i was just around 10 years old my brother actually works in a tech industry so he introduced me to photoshop and from that on i took my skills to a next level and every year i've been working hard enough to add more details to my paintings or drawings, whatever I do, if I make a logo, I add more details to that. And because he always pushed me to learn new skills and new stuff, I have a lot of knowledge in other fields too. So that's what interests me the most, knowing more and gaining more knowledge about
1: it. What other fields did you have knowledge in?
0: Lately, I have been learning a bit of web development. Then I'm also interested in game development. So I'm not really good at it, but still, I am learning that. And I'm also in filmmaking and yeah, graphic design, all in all.
1: What amazes me about your story is that you literally started at the age of twelve with your business. So I would love to hear like what made you decide to turn your love of design into a business at that age.
0: So yeah, when I was just shy of 12, I used to make vector art at that time using Photoshop. So I started selling my services for uh, around $10, I guess, on Fiverr, which at that time meant a lot to me and I got my first client also. But the main reason to get the experience was that I felt like I need to, you know, feel how it works and uh, how... You work for someone because it's not really easy to understand the client's, his mindset, what his requirements are. So that was the main thing.
1: Did you get any help with launching your business? Because you were just 12.
0: Yeah, yeah. My brother always helped me with all the stuff. So uh, one of the things that I face problem in is when you need to get the money from the client, I can't really uh, store it somewhere because I'm not really 18 right now, and I don't have a bank account. So my brother always helps me with that stuff.
1: That's so good. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you mostly design logos, from what I see. So how did you learn to design logos?
0: Okay, so I learned designing brand logos from mostly from YouTube videos. So. I was first introduced to Photoshop then because Photoshop is mainly based on editing, editing photos. I did not think that Photoshop was the right choice for me for logos. So I shifted from Photoshop to Adobe Illustrator and I started designing logos on that, but the main thing that I felt was that it was really easy for me to uh, switch between Adobe Illustrator and Adobe Photoshop because I already knew a design tool and I already knew some of the tools that are pretty common and apart from YouTube videos and YouTube tutorials practicing a lot looking for inspirations whenever I'm creating a logo or illustration or you know any paintings or any sorts of stuff also researching about the brand or the topic I'm going to design about that always helped me
1: cool so like When you're doing that research, is that just a lot of like learning about whatever the topic is that you're designing?
0: Yeah. So the other day I was just thinking to make a concept art on astronauts. And I did a research about why their suits are white, actually. So I got to know that.
1: Wait, wait, why are they white?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the white colors reflect the most and that's why they're actually white. Huh, okay. In this piece, it's all black. So the white color is what reflects the most and so that they are visible.
1: Wow. Who knew that's what you could learn as a designer? (laughs) (laughs) I know, Okay, so like you you were doing Photoshop and then Illustrator. Do you still do most of your work in Illustrator?
0: Yeah, I do. I design logos on Adobe Illustrator still.
1: And then you mentioned that like you kind of learn design on YouTube, right? yeah and I saw that, like you have your own YouTube channel now, so are you also trying to like teach others design?
0: yeah, I am trying to do that, but that's mostly procreate based, and I'm not really active on that. But yeah, I'm trying to do that, yes.
1: Okay. Okay. Wait, this is like a personal question. I recently got an iPad and I downloaded Procreate. I'm not very artistic, but I've seen so many like TikToks about Procreate that I was like, I, mm-hmm. kn- I need to get it. I need to do it. I want to just doodle. What are your tips for Procreate?
0: <laughs> okay. So for the beginners, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, if you're good at drawing with your hands or just, you know, strokes, then it's really easy for you to understand. But all in all, Procreate has a, you know, really simple user interface. So anyone can easily learn it. But yeah, getting the right brushes and getting the right strokes. That's what all matters.
1: I'm gonna work on my art and maybe I'll send it to you (laughs) and you can like give me a critique.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with your logo business, what then inspired you to find clients for it?
0: I wanted to work on more real-time projects and get some experience in that field. But at the starting point, it was really hard for me to get clients. And for that matter, I even you know, uh, made free logos and got some testimonials from clients, which always helped me in getting my future projects.
1: So then I'm really curious because like I'm a software developer, so I don't have much insight into the design process. I'm kind of like the coding process, but what is the process from an original idea to then the finished product of creating a logo or any other piece of art that you've created?
0: Okay, so it's pretty similar between creating any art piece. So let's say if I'm working for a client, First of all, I need to understand the client's requirements, what he's looking for. And one problem that I face a lot is that sometimes clients don't know what they are looking for. So guiding them out is also a task. And then when I'm done with the requirements, I need to get specific information on what type of logo do they need or what type of brand they have so that I can research a bit on what logo would suit the best. I draw some sketches and then I refine them in Adobe Illustrator and I color them. And then I show the designs to the client and tell them, hey, I came up with this. Is it good or not? And if he have any specific requirements or revisions, I do that. So that's pretty much it.
1: How many iterations do you typically go through with that feedback cycle?
0: So mainly... Around three or four. That's it.
1: Okay, cool. And you mentioned Fiverr at the beginning. Is that where you do most of your business for clients?
0: So I started from Fiverr, but I have developed some, you know, recognition. So now I don't need to do that anymore.
1: Yeah, because of those clients recommending you and they can just go to your website and contact you?
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Amazing. Okay, so... When you're doing this freelance design, what would you say is your biggest challenge that you face?
0: I guess the one problem that I face, I think I said this earlier also, is that clients don't know what they're looking for exactly. or uh, They don't have in mind how much should I charge them or how much their budget should be. So that always you know, is a challenge because you need to guide them You need to tell them that this will fit your business.
1: That's super interesting because in the software development process, we kind of go through the same thing. I'm I'm a consultant. So when we're working with a client, sometimes they have no idea what they want. So we go through this whole like discovery phase where we like ask them questions, work with users, try to like find out what they actually want versus what they think they want. Um, And it's a really cool space to be in. So it's interesting to see that there are parallels between like software development and just, just the design process.
0: Yeah. I know they're really similar. In fact, I have been working in a lot of fields now because I have been into web development and filmmaking and game development as well. And one of the things that I find most common is design only because you need to, have something in mind to start creating. If you're creating a game, you need to have specific things like what type of character would it be? How would it look? How will your scene be? And similar in filmmaking, you need to think about how will a film set look like? And how will things be in that, you know, if the person is living in a city, how would the city look like? Same thing with web design. How will the website look like? how will the starting user interface would be like, how would it be easy for people to, you know, go through it? So I feel a lot of fields are pretty connected.
1: Absolutely. And I'm noticing that more and more with just the tech industry through this podcast. Like I talk to people from all these different fields and there's so many parallels. It's insane. (laughs) Like there's so many processes that are similar or just like, overall feelings of the tech industry and imposter syndrome, like that kind of stuff. It's everywhere. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> right. right,
1: Yeah. Okay. I have one other question about designing logos in your freelance business. If there are fellow designers who are interested in freelancing, what advice would you give them?
0: So firstly, go out there, get out of your comfort zone. And then one of the problems that I faced when I was just starting out was I did not know specific things like how much should I charge for it, or is this logo looks even good or is it not? So for that, I recommend joining communities. Uh, there are a lot of design communities and I think that it would be really great if you join them because then you can ask for their advice and ask for suggestions like how much Should you charge? Because the pricing is really diverse. A logo could be around from starting from $2 to $2,000. So it's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh.
0: And lastly, I think building a portfolio is an essential task because you need to have something to show to your clients.
1: You mentioned these art communities. Do you have any at the top of your mind that people should look into?
0: Yes, I have one of my own Discord community which people can join so we also publish some cool stuff over there like i recently launched insta hues which is a website which has a huge collection of color and gradient palettes and this is another thing that i pieced when i was just starting out that i did not know which colors to go for and which colors would look the best so for that, I have a website on which you can check out the colors and see what would fit your project.
1: I, I did see that you built hues. Did you actually do the coding and everything behind that or did you work with someone else?
0: I got some help from my brother because I'm not really good at coding. I just know a bit of JS and yeah, basic HTML and CSS.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's always there. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> But that's really awesome. Like you saw something that you needed and built a tool for it because you know that other designers probably need it too.
0: Yeah, I know. Right. So that was the main thing. And uh, most importantly, I added a feature so that other designers can also publish their own color or gradient palette to the website free of cost. So that's another great thing about it.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So people need to check out Instahues. I will link it in the show notes. They can click on there. They can check it out, put their own palette on there. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> so the other thing I want to talk about, because it's like, not only do you have this business where you're making logos, but I see you got into the NFT business selling your art a little bit, right?
0: Right. Yeah, I did.
1: So for anyone who doesn't know, an NFT is a non-fungible token, which is basically a type of cryptocurrency where you sell your art and only pay for it through crypto. Aaron J, can you explain that better than I can? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so NFT is a unique digital token which can be stored on the blockchain itself. And you can buy and sell NFTs on an NFT marketplace. There. are a lot of great marketplaces nowadays. So some of them are foundation, open seed, rarible. And also when you have bought an NFT, you can further sell it to someone else. I'll give you an example. So basically NFT is just like a painting. So you can buy and sell paintings. You can bid on them and yeah, you can collect them.
1: Yeah. I It's going crazy. I mean, like cryptocurrency is just like, a hot topic right now. I know that some bands are selling their albums as NFTs. Um, even Nyan Cat, I think, sold as an NFT. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did.
1: I'm curious to find out, like, what inspired you to then start selling your artwork as NFTs.
0: So yeah, as is said, one of the um, cool thing about NFTs are that it can be anything. It can be a music. It can be an artwork. It can be anything. So to be honest, first of all, I was going for money. <laughs> so my dad and my brother introduced me to NFTs, and they got me some Ethereum in my wallet, crypto wallet. And also, that was a time when I came over people uh, who is also a digital artist, and he sold one of his NFT for sixty nine million dollars, and I was like, oh. It's a huge amount of money and I'm going to get that. So I listed my first NFT for one Ethereum, which is $2,000 and I wasn't even to get a sale. But I got a lesson from that, that, you know, people had a huge following over 2 million. And I came across it that and I was like, I only have 20 followers, including my second account. so. You need to market your NFT. You need to tell people that, yeah, this artwork is out You need to check it out.
1: Wow. That's just a crazy business. Now that you've learned your lesson about how much you can charge <laughs> for your NFT, are you planning to continue putting up artwork on there?
0: Yeah, I am still doing that. But I'm not really focused on that. It's just like a side project, but I'm doing that.
1: Cool. You talked a little bit about like the process of putting up an NFT. Could you talk a little bit more deeply about like, how do you mint an NFT and then sell it? How does the money exchange happen? All of that.
0: Yeah. So before you can sell an NFT, there are two things that you need to do before that. So you need to mint it and list it. So minting is a process of publishing your work on the blockchain and then listing is the process of, publishing that nft on the marketplace itself so when it's on the marketplace users can buy i'll also give you an example so suppose you have a web dis a website first you will need to upload the file if you have to put an image on a website you need to upload the image right so you upload the nft on the blockchain just like you upload the image on the website so it's not really on the website right now but it's in the data then you publish the nft on the marketplace so that's when you actually put the image on the website so that people can actually see it
1: and then so like once it's on the website or like on the cryptocurrency market How do people then buy? Is it bidding, and then whoever's the highest bidder gets it?
0: Yeah, there are a lot of things that you can do. So you can always bid. Bidding is one of the things that is common. That is really common. And then there is also you can set a price of your NFT that user can just buy it for. Like suppose I have a price of zero point one Ethereum, and I can you know. Someone can just come and buy it for 0.1 ATM itself. And you can also make an offer on an on NFT. But one of the downside of publishing an, an NFT is that minting and this costs money.
1: Okay, so you got to hope that you can sell the artwork for more than it costs to mint it.
0: Yeah, and even if you mint it and list it, suppose you're selling for a low price, then... The market takes a percentage, so that's also an issue.
1: You might not make much of a profit. Right. Okay, cool. Since this is a tech podcast, I wanted to see if you knew a little bit more about some of the tech behind it. So like an NFT is built on blockchain technology, as you mentioned. But how does that ensure that someone owns the original of an art piece?
0: So, one cool thing about NFT is that you can always backtrack and see who owned the previous version because a lot of people can, you know, publish the same artwork on the blockchain and sell it forward. But the thing you can do is you can check who it belonged to before, who the original creator was. And you can check how much it costed earlier. So you have an estimate of what you should invest on that NFT.
1: What I don't understand is that when you create a piece of art, right, you're making it an illustrator, let's say. And you have that original piece of art on your computer, right? So then you upload it to sell it as an NFT, And that's, like, the new original piece of art. But, like, don't you have a different copy of it?
0: Yeah, so I think you're talking about the copy that you have on your computer, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you can always have a copy, but it's just like who has the original one. In painting, also, people forge the paintings so that they have a copy of it. But it always depends on... You need to collect the painting of a specific artist that you really look forward to and that's the cool thing about it and that's why people generally collect
1: so it sounds like because it's like a digital art form that like once you put it up to sell as an nft that is like the new original of that art piece whether you have a copy on your computer or not
0: right yeah
1: it's just so crazy to me
0: <laughs> right i know right.
1: Yeah. And I I imagine like if anyone else doesn't know NFTs, like I think it's a big thing to learn. Um, But I imagine like once you get into it, it's like you're just collecting digital art pieces and then you have almost like a digital portfolio of all the art that you own. Yeah. That's all I'm going to grill you about for NFTs. I have one more question because I know you're getting into filmmaking and I want to learn more because you briefly told me about how you have a short film called Distorted a Schizophrenia Story. What is that about and what inspired you to create it?
0: So, actually, schizophrenia is a mental illness in which a person can differentiate his imagination and reality. So, if you are Like sitting in a room, you might be thinking that you're walking in a field and that might be real to you. That's a sad thing about it. And another sad thing about it is that out of 10 people, 4 people commit suicide who are suffering from schizophrenia. So the film is all about a person who is suffering from schizophrenia and he ends up in a messy situation without any fault of his own. And I believe that this topic is not well covered in my country and people don't pay much attention to it. So I wanted to create a movie that spreads this message. And that was the main thing that inspired me that I need to spread a strong message to the community. Wow,
1: that sounds powerful. And I'm excited to see it. You said it's going to be on YouTube?
0: Yeah, it is going to be on YouTube.
1: Okay, cool. If this episode comes out after it launches, I will put that in the show notes for sure. And people can check that out. I'm also really curious because you're mainly a designer and I'm I'm guessing mostly graphic design. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any parallels between like filmmaking and designing art and logos?
0: So I guess I tend to find, you know, similarities between them. So suppose you are making a film you need to add good lighting to make a good scene. And that's the same scenario in designing. And if you are making a film, you need to design things. You need to design how would a scene look. You need to color correction. And that's what you do to a digital painting. So I think they are pretty similar to me. But yeah, there are some things that are not. Like you can say acting. Acting is not a thing that designing covers. But if you are talking about camera movement, the camera movement is actually in Blender, which is a 3D art making software, which I just learned recently, two weeks before. Another thing is that you need to look what angle should be the camera and what should it be looking towards in a painting or in a movie.
1: Okay. Yeah. It sounds very complicated, but (laughs) you're you're like a master of all trades. We've got the freelance design, selling NFTs, and filmmaking. Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have two final questions for us to wrap up. What is one skill that you're currently working on?
0: Okay, so I'm currently working on my portfolio for my design special course. And I'm going to do a bachelor's in design office. So I am actually learning about concept designing and how you can imagine and create a drawing or a painting on that. Cool.
1: That's also awesome that you're doing a bachelor's. When does that start?
0: So I am going to apply for it in a month or two. And then I guess I'll be appearing for it in 2022 fall.
1: Nice. Oh, good luck! I hope you get it. I hope we get in.
0: Thanks a lot.
1: Okay, so my last question uh, for anyone who's interested in finding your artwork or following you online, where can listeners connect with you?
0: Yeah. So a great place to connect with me is my Discord community, where they can also get help regarding design, and I also keep sharing great things related to design, of course. I recently shared Hughes, as I said earlier. Another great place to connect with me would be my website. You can find my email address or my Instagram over there.
1: Awesome. I will put as many of those links as I can in the show notes so people can easily connect with you. Thank you so much, Aaron J. It was great talking to you. And I loved hearing about all these cool things that you're doing with your artwork. So thank you so much.
0: Thanks a lot, Marissa, for having me here.
1: I am so excited to see more of Aaron Jay's art in the future. If you're interested in watching his short film, you can find the link in the show notes. All other resources mentioned and ways to connect to Aaron Jay are also linked. Thanks for listening and see you next time where we'll continue blossoming together.